Okay. Um, my coffee's filling up. Run, run. Three, at least, at least three cups of coffee, dude. Like I'm on fumes, and it's freaking Monday. Got a long week. I was up too late watching Adele. <laughs> you actually were watching Adele, I, like I, like the entire thing. I watched the whole show. How long was the show? Uh, two hours. You watched two hours of Adele. Of course, I watched two hours of Adele. Like Adele, if you if I could pick any like quote unquote pop star, female pop star that includes Taylor Swift, Beyonce, still Lady Gaga, I choose Adele over all of them. On my Twitter, I was just I was live tweeting the entire show. And you're saying that's pop stars that are still living, obviously. Yeah, or just ever. I think Lady Gaga's a tough one. She's like she's movie star now. Like like, Beyonce. And she's like she has that thing with Tony Bennett, so she's just so likable to all audiences. But I mean, no one is topping Adele's voice, and it's just so powerful. One of the most attractive traits in a woman to me is if they have an amazing singing voice yeah no i guess so i'm not a big music guy but i i, I get what you're saying but so, man, like, she if, has if lost you, a lot of weight huh dude she looks amazing she looks yeah. amazing remember bro. like the rumors where like she used to say like oh i i like i purposely like am, like i gain weight to like i don't even know voice. if she was the one who said that people were just disrespecting her and assuming that about her body shaming yeah exactly or they were trying to like come up with it for come up with an excuse for her. Can't do that to my queen. Yeah. All right, let's get going. This is the Drive-In Podcast, episode sixty-three, take one. Bada bing, bada boom. Welcome to the 63rd episode of the Drive-In Podcast. On today's episode, we have the Express Checkup with yours truly, Dr. O. We have our recap of Disney Plus Day with all the Marvel, Star Wars, and Pixar news. We also have our review, our double review. It's a Netflix-themed episode, people. We got Red Notice with Gal Gadot, Ryan Reynolds, and Dwayne The Rock Johnson. And then we have another action, nah, yeah, I would say action thriller, excuse me, action western. The Harder They Fall, Idris Elba, Regina King, Jonathan Majors, Lakeith Stanfield, how are you? So use the bathroom now, grab that popcorn, and enjoy the 63rd episode of the Drive-In Podcast. Okay, Ricky Flex, episode 63 has arrived. Nez is on hiatus, he's on vacation, he's in D.C. paying tribute to our beautiful country, the U.S. of A. Veterans so Day, joined. happy Veterans Day. Last happy Thursday. Veterans Day. Good call, Ricky Flex. I'm glad you brought it up. Ricky Flex, how did you spend your Sunday night viewings? Sunday night viewings were good. I am looking forward to Spider-Man No Way Home and... And the other trailer coming out, Dr. O. So we have a couple trailers coming out. Big episode here, but will there be a bonus episode of the drive-in pod? I think we might have to. You know, Ricky Fox, I'll go ahead and just guarantee it. We're going to have a trailer roundup with 
Obviously, Spider-Man No Way Home trailer dropping Tuesday night. And also tomorrow, don't look up another Netflix right movie mm-hmm, mm-hmm. directed by Adam McKay. Another star-studded cast. Netflix has that money, got that money to be gather. I mean, being the greatest recruiter since like Nick Saban. It's crazy. Like they they are cre- they are just free spenders. Like they spend more than I do when I get my freaking paycheck, dude. They just like it's they just deplete their funds. Um, Ricky Flex, but like I, I for Sunday viewings, I was asking because like Adele had a concert on CBS. We had Succession. We had Kansas City Chiefs versus the Raiders. We had a lot of stuff going on. What did you choose to watch? Did you split your time? It was Succession all day, but it was always but, Succession. But before Succession, I was. It was after the four o'clock games. I was thinking, what am I going to watch here? before the football game and I was like you know what the football game the football has been going like the past few weeks in the NFL has been great I'll say I know it's shocking to say that but is. it hasn't been great so I started watching the transporter and you know what I finished it and missed the Sunday night football game I decided not to watch it and good thing because it was a blowout you're gonna do transporter talk when Nez isn't here bro I did it I wow. did it I wow. tweeted at him though I tweeted at him that I was watching it so oh they respond that counts for something I think you liked the tweet. You liked the tweet? Oh, come on, Nez. I need some more than that. I need some interaction out of you, bud. Right? He's a t- Twitter uh, Twitter mastermind. Right? Uh, Ricky Fox, before we get to the checkup, you know what I noticed? We didn't talk about one of the biggest movie news stories in the past couple months when it dropped. I think we had some major news drop about two weeks ago mm-hmm. regarding a major filmmaker, a casting or I should say two castings for a movie. You know what I'm talking about, Ricky, that we have not discussed on this podcast. I'm thinking. I don't know. Okay, Ricky Flex, who's your favorite filmmaker? Oh, wait, I, I know what you're talking about. Matt Damon, Robert Downey Jr. We didn't talk about, we did it not came... talk about freaking Matt Damon and Robert Downey Jr., Right, we got LeBron James and Chris Bosh join. I mean, and Chris Bosh joining up with D Wade, right? For Oppenheimer, how have we not talked about this, Ricky Flex? Like honestly, Robert Downey Jr. in the second chapter of this, or actually, you could say third chapter of his career, right? Trying to attain like this uh, status where he is beyond the Iron Man years, the MCU years. He's entering. His golden age, as I like to call it. And then Matt Damon, I mean, he has just prestige upon his name when you say it. And then it was Killian Murphy and potentially a role that's going to take him to the next level, not to mention Emily Blunt. This is, this, is, this, is a, this is a dream team. This is a dream team. It smells like a summer blockbuster, which no one is a mastermind of. And this is coming out in July. But yes, this is actually interesting uh, because this, came, this dropped around a Tuesday. The day we drop our pods, so that's the like the burden of drop dropping a pod one day a week because this news. By the time we get the checkup when we record on Monday nights, we just sometimes might forget news that came out on Tuesday or Wednesday, and this was just clearly one of those. We apologize. That was a big mess. But if we get back, it it just made me think. Like I was drawing up the checkup, and it's absolutely loaded this week. We're about to get to it, and like I'm I'm gonna be shocked if I can do this in one take. That's how long this checkup is, and that doesn't even include the the uh, Disney Plus Day news. This is how much news was dropped on dropped on us today. Yeah, but like going back to the 
just the Nolan, Damon, Downey Jr. Mm-hmm. I just can't see them. Like maybe Damon, just from his Ridley Scott days, but a Downey Jr. charismatic banter and Christopher Nolan movie. I just can't picture it. I just watched all right, another movie I watched this weekend, not Sunday night, but on Saturday, I watched Zodiac. And obviously Robert Downey Jr. right before the year before Iron Man. I, just now saying that, I could just not picture this man being in a Christopher Nolan movie. I sort of can, you know. He's got. Oh, he's not. He's, he's got that nerdy look with the glasses and everything. He's gonna try and shake maybe that snarkiness that he has in pretty much every movie. So he's, he's gonna be this. He's gonna be the comic relief in this movie, probably. Because when you think about Robert Downey Jr., like he plays similar character to almost every movie he's in. He's snarky, right? Uh, yeah. He's cocky. Whether it be Sherlock Holmes, whether it be him and Zodiac, whether it be obviously Tony Stark and Iron Man, like he is just a cocky dude. I want to see him in a different light here. And Matt Damon, once again, I could see him playing a nerd, like him. Think of him in the informant, right? Think yeah. of him uh even in no sudden move like him with the glasses i could just like see it like coming together oceans 13 oceans i would do i was thinking oceans too and uh killian murphy it just he looks exactly like oppenheimer i'm very excited for this movie um and how it's going to kind of put a new spin on the biopics i think it's we're on the verge of some of something we really haven't seen before from nolan different take I, on it dare i say special <laughs> Special Ricky Flex. Let's get to this monster checkup. What do you say? End it. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness is undertaking six weeks of reshoots with Benedict Cumberbatch working six days a week. Insiders say the main reasons are due to lack of actor availability and COVID-related slowdowns during the initial shoot. Phew, no issues, hopefully. Next, Netflix says Red Notice is their biggest opening day for a film. Allegedly. 4.2 million people apparently have seen it in its opening weekend. Today's review. Next, Ridley Scott says, quote, Marvel scripts are not any effing good. They're superhero movies. So why don't the superhero movies have better stories? They're mostly saved by special effects, and that's becoming boring for everyone who works with special effects. End quote. Next, the new trailer for Spider-Man No Way Home will premiere on Tuesday at a fan event in Regal Sherman Oaks, Los Angeles. Stay tuned to the YouTube for our breakdown. Next, the Hollywood Reporter's insiders insist that Chloe Zhao is currently not attached to direct any Star Wars movies, as was previously rumored. Next, T-Swift news. Boo. Adele all day. Blake Lively will make her directorial debut with the official music video for Taylor Swift's I Bet You Think About Me. Not a bad song. Next, speaking of Taylor Swift, a Roadhouse remake is in the works with Jake Gyllenhaal in in Talks to Star and Doug Liman in Talks to Direct. Hashtag Team Jake. Next, Matt Shackman's new Star Trek movie will release on December 22nd, 2023. The same release, release date as the now unannounced Star Wars movie. Let's see these Star Wars fans and Trekkies go at it at the box office. Next, Henry Cavill still wants to do a Man of Steel sequel. Surprise, surprise. He said, quote, there's still a lot of storytelling for me to do as Superman, and I would absolutely love the opportunity, end quote. The driving pod fully endorses you, Henry Cavill. Next, Paul Rudd is People's 2021 Sexiest Man Alive. What? Ghostbusters Afterlife comes out in theaters this Friday, next week's review. Next, Channing Tatum and Tom Hardy have been cast in an untitled drama about... 
three former special force special forces team members who go back to Afghanistan to rescue families and allies left behind amid the rapid fall of, of Afghanistan last August. Let's go. Comeback trail Channing Tatum. Tom Hardy. He's going to kill it as a freaking uh, Marine. Next, Huang dong Hu confirms the second season of Squid Game is officially in the works. Next, Sylvester Sloan reveals he is returning for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 from his Twitter uh, this, evening, this afternoon. Next, MCU Vice President Nate Morris says they've never considered recasting T'Challa after Chadwick Boseman died, and we will, quote, not see T'Challa in the MCU 616 universe, end quote. Next, Patty Jenkins reportedly had creative differences with Lucasfilm over Rogue Squadron. Surprise, surprise. Uh, she said, quote, top filmmakers are dying to make a Star Wars movie until they sign on and experience the micromanagement and plot by plot point by committee process, end quote. Well, yeah, that's why she'll never work with Kevin Feige. Next, Spider-Man No Way Home is debuting in the UK two days earlier than the rest of the world. Please, Brits, no spoilers, please. Next, Marvel is reportedly casting for a new Daredevil project, furthering rumors of Matt Murdock's and Charlie Cox's return to the MCU. We'd love to see it. Lastly, Mel Gibson talks to direct Lethal Weapon 5 after the passing of Richard Donner in July of this year. That's going to do it for a massive, massive checkup this week. Ricky Flex, where do you want to start? Matthew Murdoch is back. Is this confirmed? Is this actually happening, Ricky? These are concrete rumors. (laughs) A concrete rumor. Reliable insiders have reported this, and this comes out the day before the release of the second show of No Way Home. Coincidence? I think think not. not. (laughs) I don't think so, Dr. O. He's coming back. He's been very vocal very recently about his urge to come back, but not confirming that he's in the new Spider-Man. And let's say he's not in the Spider-Man. There's two, it's similar, it's not, I'm not going to say similar or at the same level of a Snyder Cut fan, uh, just attack against the production studio, but Daredevil was like the one MCU Netflix show that was actually good and trying to bring that back. I think that's the smart thing to do. Maybe it'll help because some, as we'll get to the Disney plus event, there are so many shows that are coming out related to the MCU and I don't have faith in half of them. Bring something back that's reliable, that people know that that love, not just like love. This is smart. Coincidence? I think not, Dr. Rao. I, I think this is great. Honestly, I want them to kind of just incorporate him into movies in the MCU, give him a film, maybe a Disney Plus film, similar similar to how DC is doing HBO Max films. I think we, we I, I know people love seeing the show, but I think they should do almost a soft reboot of it. Bring back Wilson Fisk with Vincent D'Onofrio. Bring back Charlie Cox. But honestly, you could recast everybody else, and I would be completely fine with it. I, I would actually prefer it. I cannot well, see Fulton Reed as Foggy Nelson for another episode. Well, I do not want to see that. Recast everyone, Dr. Rowe. What about something that we haven't talked about yet? Do we bring John Bernthal into the MCU as That Punisher? might be next. That might be next, man. And maybe they just do it. Maybe what if they did like a team up movie on Disney Plus, or maybe a team up series? They already did that pretty much on Netflix. But if you kind of like reintroduce these characters, like Punisher, I could see that should be a series. That should be a rebooted series. Daredevil is a big enough hero, and he's got enough star appeal where I was. I, I want the movie. Well, there I was a movie. There were Punisher movies. There, there have been. 
Right. And, but I think I think he's like more obscure of a character compared to a Daredevil. Like Daredevil right. has that big, big comic book name appeal to it. Okay. So he has the comic book name. Okay. Bigger than Punisher. I'll give you that. I'm just playing devil's advocate here. Mm-hmm. I think John Bernthal is a bigger star than Charlie Cox and thus more of someone that can carry a superhero movie, not just show. And uh, Punisher, kind of the anti-hero vibe, sort of like assassin that's very hot in the streets right now. Look at John Wick series. Assassins are always hot in the streets for movies. With the John Bernthal type lead, I think they could make a solid movie, if not good movie, with this uh, with this character and actor. But we'll see what happens. We first got to make these concrete rumors become act, uh, reality, which you might find out tomorrow when you're listening to this audience. But we'll see. And John Bernthal inspired one of our top billings this year with best supporting actors. You know, like he doesn't really take those lead roles, but right. I think he's perfect as a complimentary character to a daredevil or maybe someone else in the MCU. Like put him against another badass character. Like you or, matched him with a blade or you matched ah, him with Moon Knight. Oh, did I steal that from you? I was going to say, or uh, a little blade action. Like I could see them like back to back shooting it up. All right. Yeah. Taking down some vampires and whatnot. Uh, I think this is not surprising news based on recent um, quote unquote spoilers for Spider-Man No Way Home. Uh, that uh, there is an image that, potentially features like a Charlie Cox um, character that kind of matches up with a spoiler that was given where Spider-Man's having a round table discussion with another hero. Everyone was like, Oh, it's Tobey Maguire. Oh, it's Andrew Garfield. And Hey buddy, it might be Charlie Cox, which is, yeah, uh, buddy. that's fat. It's fascinating to uh, think that that was the character he was talking about the entire time. Tom Holland. Uh, I think uh I'm trying to think that guy, Charlie Cox, he was kind of like banking on this being like his like road to stardom, right? When the Netflix series was happening, he didn't expect it to be canceled. I'm glad he's got this opportunity. And this is a great example of Kevin Feige listening to MCU fans rather than just recasting a bigger name for the role. Well, right? he, mm-hmm. he recently it, has listened to not MCU, but uh, Star Wars fans with Rosario Dawson in that fan cast. So it's mm-hmm. not like it's out of the realm. Like I know Patty Jenkins just mentioned the micromanagement over at Lucasfilm, but still it's in Kevin Feige or within Kevin Feige to say, Hey, let's take a look at this at the minimum. Yeah, exactly. Um, I guess we should kind of keep up with uh, the superhero news here. Ridley Scott saying he's criticizing superhero movies in the same way that um, Martin Scorsese has done in the past. I feel like this is not shocking, but I feel like Ridley Scott, he's done superhero-esque movies in the past. That's why I'm kind of surprised by this these comments. But we're talking about like the Alien franchise. I know it's a horror franchise, but it spawned like the, what's some of the greatest action, the one of the greatest female action stars of all time. Uh, he's also done some bombs too. I don't I like I I think there's been some over criticism of these superhero movies, and I think superhero projects are kind of expanding. They're not what they used to be. Right. We saw Eternals. They're kind of taking different chances here. The Batman looks like a take on superhero movies that we really haven't seen before. We have Joker a couple of years ago. Do you think that we're making enough strides and like with these projects? And or do you take Ridley Scott's side here saying they ain't no effing good? I think he, it's strong choice of words, especially coming from Ridley Scott. Yeah, I know. It was harsh. Yeah, like very harsh. Like I always Scorsese, like he like was more subtle about it. But um I think he does have the right to say it. 
I, even though I do agree with you that his some of his movies are superhero-esque, but like they do have like an actual good story behind them usually. Like even yeah. Prometheus, if you think about it, like they it has more of a storyline and pl- a plot more than superhero movies. Like just I'm thinking Shang-Chi, Black Widow, Eternals at the end of the day, really. So mm-hmm. I do think he has a point, but I agree with you though as well saying they're making strides. Like you just, you mentioned the Joker or Joker, the Batman coming out. We are making strides here and we're not going back to what we were just talking about with Punisher or Daredevil back in the early 2000 movies, right? We have made strides. MCU is putting like together this content machine to make a whole like universe with a story, not just single movies. So which I, so I do agree with Ridley Scott, but then again, we are making strides and these are a little harsher than I think deservingly, but he does have a point. Yeah. I, I can't criticize Ridley Scott. He's Ridley Scott. He's, yeah. He's one of the best filmmakers, top 10 filmmaker pro- that's ever lived. And I like, I, and I'm a huge fan of the last duel. It just came out. I can't wait to review house of Gucci. Um, he can say whatever he wants. I just, uh, I, I'm not, I, I, I agree with him in some aspects. Like a lot of these are the same, especially Marvel, like has that certain template, certain formula that Kevin Feige, uh, recommends or actually just implements himself into these movies and like actually collaborates with the directors like straight on so i think that they lost some of that collaboration with eternals and that led to kind of some mixed results so it might see we might see like him going back to like the drawing like going back to the drawing board being really a part of the process of filmmaking and the last point on this from me would be he's saying this about superhero movies i think there's a Big ar- there's an argument saying that action movies are more guilty of this now than superhero movies and a la our review today and i notice i will be mentioning that in our review but I, i'll try to i'll stop there so I won't, i'm not redundant but i think you can make the argument going back to his kind of forte or part of his forte with action uh that you can make the same argument against his genre or one of his genres that he focuses on right no i agree completely and moving on here ricky flex we got to talk about our boy, Jake G. We got to support Jake G. Team Jake. Roadhouse remake. Are we in or out? Okay, so first off, audience, I'm speaking to you directly here. We always will defend our audience and support you. We will always, always support you. That's why we are Team Jake. And I have a listener of the drive-in pod. Going to Roadhouse. God dang it. If it wasn't Jake, I would be so upset with this movie because... That was like, we don't need to recreate Roadhouse. Why are we recreating Patrick Swayze's masterpiece? Why? This was just like, put Patrick Swayze on the screen and just let him do whatever he wants. Roundhouse people to death, whatever. Jake Gyllenhaal, sure, he's been a boxer and like he's done like physical roles in the past, but I don't know. And he's like a good looking dude himself, but we didn't have to remake this movie. This was such a classic his movie like this I was love, it I, and the, this, this this no teasers but next week Go, ghostbusters afterlife we're doing an 80s like 80s movie draft and like there's right. no doubt that roadhouse might get picked and like i'll say this too like doug lyman like he is a good filmmaker like he's a great filmmaker like, he started out with swingers of favreau right He's done action movies like Born Identity. What else has he done? Um, Sci-fi. Oh, was he a uh, Edge of Tomorrow? Uh, Edge of Lyman? Tomorrow and yep. American Made, two Tom Cruise movies. He's a good filmmaker. Like he is good, but 
I just Jake want G's Jake good. G to get absolutely yoked up for this role. I want him southpaw level where he will just be able to take on 10 guys at once, ripping people's lungs out just like Swayze back in the day. And I know I love Swayze. I love him in that role. I, I think this movie should be untouched too because the rewatchability and the original is so good. But Jake G playing this role, it's like, okay. This also goes again. This goes like with your take last time. I was going to say now, that. You don't like the roles that Jake G's taking right now. It seems like he's all about the box office appeal, okay, rather than um, this, the prestigious filmmaking it's, that we love to see him do. Like he's kind of veered away from after he's been, he was snubbed for Nightcrawler. It seems like he's been on this path. Right. Yes. And almost like what he thought was going to happen with Southpaw, like boxing movie, commitment to the role, like, OK, love story. Right. An emotional story that didn't pan out either. And what are we seeing him do lately? Spider-Man. Right. We see him with uh, uh, the guilty ambulance with Michael doing Bay ambulance. The guilty He's doing um, guilty. Guilty is not bad. But, but guilty, yeah, but still like Anton Fuqua. Like, like he's not Michael winning an Bay Oscar. And he's doing uh, and he's doing. Like, yeah, Michael Bay movie, and he's doing a movie with Ross and Marshall Thurber, the director of Red Notice, uh, with Jessica Chastain, another action movie and like a pandemic virus movie. So, like, yeah. I just again, like you said, I don't like the path he's taking, even though it's still like a good path for a list actor. It's just not the path of what he's capable of as an Oscar we just have like high expectations for him. We have high, which he's deserved, which yeah, we yeah, should. No. no, we do. But I'm saying like, he has a right to do whatever he wants. Obviously yeah. it's just, he doesn't, he's like, okay, like I just yeah. want to make entertaining movies again, and make a lot of money. Yeah. But again, I still have faith in the Godfather movie with him and Oscar Isaac with Barry Levinson. That is like the one non-action that he has coming up. That may maybe Oscar bait because surrounding surrounding one of the arguably oh, the greatest yeah, the film Godfather. of all time. Yeah, 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 so yeah. it's like, all right, maybe that's going to be like the one where, all right, he's going to sprinkle that in and then just continue doing these other roles. He's going to have so. to raise his level going with Oscar Isaac. Two guys, I think, are at similar levels in their career. I think Oscar Isaac has to raise his level to Jake G. Even I, though I don't, dude, I don't know, bro. Who would you take right now? Like, I don't, I think, I think it's like, it's a pretty even matchup. What's the spread in that boxing match? What's the tail of the tape? I'm Man. thinking I'm taking Jake G still because he's still young and he still has the pedigree over Oscar the Isaac. same age, bro. Yeah, but but Jake G's has such better prominent roles in prominent wow, movies. A so? lot a lot more than Oscar Isaac. Man, you're, you're, definitely you're gonna more. Make, you're gonna make me do it. You're gonna make look me at it. it. Oscar Isaac was in Star Wars, okay? Before Star Wars, at Eternity's Gate with Willem Dafoe, which he's barely in the movie. Uh, what else? You he had the car counter this year. Say it again. Ready? Ex Machina, one of the best sci-fi movies of this century, maybe of all time. Inside Lewin Davis, Coen Brothers movie. Overrated in my opinion, but good. Triple Frontier. Hey, what is <laughs> a Netflix action movie? <laughs> Star Wars, prominent role in Star Wars movie. What else we got? Drive. Barely in it. Well, kind. Oh, I would say he's in like about forty percent. That's Ryan Gosling's movie. Forty percent of the movie. Eternity's Gate. You already said. These are some great roles, bro. But he's barely in them. Like, he's not, like, some of them, like, Attorney's Gate, like, he's the supporting actor, but he's Dude, not, like, the true just, supporting but actor. He, but he's in the biggest Dude. movie in 2021. He's but like, biggest, again, in the like, movie. But he's, like, still, like, think about it this way. Like, he was the best performer in that movie. But, all right, fine. But, look, you're saying a lot of movies where he's the supporting or barely in it. When you go to Jake, it's, like, end of watch, 
Prisoners, Enemy, Nightcrawler, TV show. That hurts this case, in my opinion. No, go. no, no. Not when you're playing a Marvel superhero. But, all right, fine. You want to go look at this? Look at it this way. Who have they worked with? Okay, Jake G has worked with at the A-list actor in a D- Denny Villeneuve movie, a David Fincher. Like he works with these better, the the, the best of the best. Oscar Isaac's not working like, with the best of the best. He's, just, he's done a Coen Brothers movie, dude. He's done a Ryan okay, you're right. movie. Hey, he's, hey, he's, this is why it's a good argument. Yes, and and then he's done a Denny Villeneuve. Like he's done that too. Like he's worked with, all, but he's like, not pretty much the same people, and he's trading off for like a Coen Brothers. Like, are you kidding me? And he's a lead but, in a Coen. But he's not. Movie. But he's not. But he's. I don't consider that performance as good as like Jake G and his performances. Wow, like Nightcrawler, I think is better than any of their performances and out of like I agree. all like i like i think that is like the goat between the two of them like the best of all, like the best of all time the boat but i i think it's a good argument i think it's a good argument i think it's a close uh tale of the tape okay I, i'll admit it's close but like i'm right still now, taking I'm saying like right now like based on what jake g's been taking and like, i'm looking at oscar isaac's future well i just can't wait to see him in the same movie that's gonna be incredible so it's yeah. gonna see who's outdoing the other they're gonna raise each other's game that might be the turning point like whoever does better in that movie goes on to win the oscar well, and, the, and maybe the other one goes the other direction. That's a good debate, Ricky, folks. I want to put down the YouTube. Next up, Henry Cavill wants to do a Man of Steel movie. He's still committed to the grind, still committed to DC. Do you think it actually happens? Nope, never. Zach, as long as Zack Snyder's not there, he will never get one. And he won't. Zack Snyder will never come back. So no. DC, they've been pleasing fans. They still have Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman. They still have Jason Momoa as Aquaman. He's telling me, you don't like, who would you rather see? Black Adam take on Superman with Henry Cavill or Black Adam take on Zach Levi Shazam? Who do you want okay. to see that? Well, what do you want to see more there? You know what I'm going to say to that? Like, obviously, it's Henry. Like, I like Henry Cavill as Superman. I like Man of Steel. I like Snyder Cut. It's just Henry Cavill so attached to Zack Snyder that you can't, like, take the two away from each other. You can't mm-hmm. separate the two. You need them combined. And Warner Brothers, they're, they're, it's not like, like, look. Ben Affleck and Batfleck, they that's never happening. I look at that almost the same as this. That's not the same. That's it's different. almost. Ben because, Affleck literally took himself out and he said he didn't want to do it. Henry Cavill never said he didn't want to do it anymore. Ben Affleck, no matter what he says, he wants to, he would be Batman again in a heartbeat. I don't know. I don't know. He's gonna be in Flash, the Flash. Like yeah, he, for a second, he wasn't even in the trailer. He would he easily mention in the trailer. But he would come back for Snyder Cut too. Or uh, you know, Justice League Two. He would come back for that immediately. You think so? Yes, he came back for reshoots. He would definitely do it. Yeah, because it reshoots that so didn't brief. matter. It was going to be so brief. Like it's like he doesn't have to get too back, like back into shape too much. You can tell he looked like a totally different okay, person fine. at the end of that movie. I'm. I still think I'm not though, trying to hate on him. I love Batfleck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I think when the Snyder Cut got released, that was just a phenomenon. Like that is never going to happen again to that extent. And I think that was like Warner Bros. saying, all right, let's just do this. It's a quick 25 million extra bucks and we can release it on HBO Max and help our streaming service that they didn't even premiere yet. It wasn't even out yet when they announced it. And DC Fandom in the summer, HBO Max still wasn't released yet uh, when it did come out, uh, DC Fandom number one. So they were promoting a new uh, streaming platform to rival Disney Plus, to rival Netflix and uh, Hulu and all these other ones that were already on there. And... This is just like, all right, let's just please the fans here. They get what they want, and then we can move on after this. And that's what they're doing. That's honestly what I think they're doing. They're going to move on with some Snyder cut or Snyder characters, such as Jason Momoa, 
Ezra, Ezra Miller and uh, Gal Gadot, but Batfleck, Henry Cavill, see you later. They're the easiest yeah. ones to go to because Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman 2 was already in production. Aquaman Three. was already full force. And The Flash was like on and off. Like Andy Muschietti was like on and off, like about to start the project or not. And The Flash was well received in Justice League like t- 2017. So it's just like you couldn't not pr- uh, keep going with that one. Batfleck ne- never got a movie, never in production. And Man of Steel already had his movie and the second one wasn't in production. I, I, so. I know what you're saying. And I get it. And it's clear that DC is trying to move on because they, they have they have one at least one super superman project in the works right now that's with black superman produced by michael b jordan we don't know if that's gonna be a series or a movie so clearly they want to move on but if i, I want to see him against the rock that that is a duel of the titans bro duel awesome. of the titans literally uh yeah so i guess a man can dream and we'll we'll push for it restore the snyderverse still like we'll still keep putting that out there likelihood goes down each passing day uh, that's going to do it for the checkup this week. We want to now move on to our recap of Disney Plus Day. get to we're going to steer away from marvel to start just because we don't want to kill you let's go to lucasfilm so disney plus day happened last week we were live tweeting saying what's going on a lot of uh a little bit of star wars news honestly not too much uh we i want to bring up a couple projects we're going to talk about andor we're going to talk about obviously the kenobi series right the return of hayden christensen as darth vader we have the return of Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan Kenobi. So let's talk about, I guess, that series first. We had some concept art and then a behind-the-scenes look for the Disney Plus Obi-Wan series. Deborah Chow teases that Obi-Wan's going to encounter Jedi Hunters and Inquisitors in the Disney Plus series. Ricky Flex, what do you think about this um, panel at Disney Plus Day? Did you get to see it? Okay. Just to take a step back, I thought Disney Plus Day was lame. For the most part, it was just it was just logos and inevitable announcements. So I just think it was pretty lame. And this was the headline of it. This was like this was the headline of this was supposed to be the headline of Disney Plus Day saying, look at this day. This is going to take over like Twitter for the next 24 hours to 48 hours with a trailer for Obi-Wan Kenobi, Ewan McGregor with and Darth Vader, Hayden Christensen's comeback. And they just gave us the concept art, which we saw the day before that they were teasing us for the next day saying, come check out Disney Plus Day tomorrow. And they just did the same thing on repeat and then just had the director say, oh, he's going to be uh, Obi-Wan's going to be encountering Jedi hunters. Like, OK, cool. Show us. <laughs> I'm expecting he's going to be doing that. But you show us something, for God's sakes, even if you don't want to show us Darth Vader. How about you just show us like, show like a one minute teaser with no interviews between Ewan McGregor and the director, just straight trailer. Just like they did with Marvel. They're like, they, they smacked us over the head with all these Marvel series and like mini teasers. Just give me Obi-Wan in action. Just show me him wearing the yeah. hood. And just it, give me a tease of like Anakin Skywalker hating Christian without the helmet on. 
All right. The show me him, uh, show me these Jedi hunters, like Obi-Wan taking down a couple, right? The just only something. Cause this, these, this should have been the headliner. But we just are Disney investors day last year that knocked it out of the park that rivaled DC fandom, right? Last year. But this year, holy man, like they changed the name of it. Right. They, they, Seemed like there was going to be a lot more appeal to it this year. It felt kind of flat. I agree 100%, especially with the Obi-Wan news. Yeah, and especially when it also hurts. I know taking a step back. When you do like the, uh, what was it, the uh, National Geographic stuff, like the Chris Hemsworth stuff, yeah. and like all the fluff before you get to like the MCU, Star Wars, Pixar, like you, before you get to the actual core of it, that you're kind of like zoning out. And also, we haven't even mentioned, this was Friday morning. This is on during the week, yes. during a work day, like in this Disney Plus day, like Disney Investor Day. That's like for shareholders, investors. They did that after work, after the markets closed. It was at night. And this one, which is, which is for everybody, more than just investors, but primarily us, people that actually watch this stuff. Was during the day. Like, I'm it trying made to no teach sense. some classes. I'm trying to teach some classes and I'm live tweeting what's going on. And I'm like, it, okay, oh, Obi-Wan concept art. All right, picture, picture. Oh, shoot, it's blurry. Oh, it's already out there, right? So it, it's unfair. Unfair to us compared to, like, discussing film, lights, camera, lights, camera, bars, to all these guys who do this for a living, and we are the ones paying the price but with it's our like, jobs. But I just think that it's, it's so blindsided by Disney to do this, where you, you make a separate event, because last year was Disney Investor Day, you make a separate event for fans, but you make it during the workday where last year when it wasn't for fans, uh, obviously it was, but like still you make it after the workday when it was called Disney Investor Day. It made no sense. <laughs> Terrible management by Bob Iger. Come Do it on the weekend. Do it on the weekend. Do it on the weekend when people like. DC Fandom was on the weekend both times. Right. And people are going to get prepared to watch it right they're gonna plan their day around it like these are huge properties okay so obi-wan we needed to see more i also want to mention andor done released in quarter four 2022 on disney plus uh one year one year which is uh i don't know i'm, I'm sort of pumped for it i guess i, like, I will I watch that one i'll watch that I, I, i'm gonna watch any of the star wars series the live action series because they knocked it out of the park with uh, Mandalorian and everything, and I'm gonna watch the book of Boba Fett. Hopefully, that's just gonna expand upon this world even more so. Um, this underground type world that I think Andor will be, will take place into since it's gonna be a prequel to Rogue One. So, uh, I, I will watch it. I just kind of lost passion for the Andor character because it's been so long since Rogue One, and it's so not like he has five same, years, he doesn't have the same standing as like an Obi Wan Kenobi or like m m many of these characters in the universe that are. At, have their series like i care way more about the, the mandalorian than i do about cassie and andor yeah the, like the mandalorian like he was in less time like it throughout all the mo star wars movies he's been in less time than andor was in rogue one but the lore and awe of him the interest around a mandalorian and boba fett himself just is so much more than an andor yeah it, but I, I guess it's just a way for them to expand this world a little yeah, bit, definitely. give some more shine to Rogue One, make sure almost reminding us Rogue One, this was a huge movie for Disney and was a huge movie for Star Wars and did a great job connecting the uh, prequel trilogy to the original. Um, Pixar news that happened, Larry the Cable Guy and Owen Wilson are going to reprise their roles as Mater and Lightning McQueen in the Cars sequel series, Cars on the Road, that's releasing in 2022. Uh, Owen Wilson still has a strong relationship with Disney following his appearance in Loki. He's going to be in season two of Loki. So uh, you love to see it. 
Larry the Cable Guy. Don't know where he's been. Uh, also, Pixar is developing feature-length documentaries about the making of Turning Red and Lightyear in 2022 on Disney+. Plus. I was kind of surprised by this, like feature-length documentaries. Like this Turning Red movie, how impactful, how, like, how impactful is this movie going to be? Are they anticipating this to be one of like, a t- I guess, a top tier Pixar movie? And then we know already like this cultural significance of a Buzz Lightyear origin type movie with Chris Evans. So I kind of expected that. But uh, will you watch these documentaries, Flex? And are you excited for Turning Red? I don't know. We'll see. I might let you watch the first one and tell me if, if they're worth it. I, uh, I haven't really gotten it. Yeah, I haven't really got into the documentaries on Disney+. Plus. Like I just, I guess in like the making of these, like the Mandalorian I did watch because that was like interesting and unique where you had like the filmmakers and like, they're all very filmmakers. Yeah. And like John Favreau, Taika Waititi, like Peyton mixed Reed. in. Yeah. Peyton Reed, even like Bryce Dallas Howard, like, mm-hmm. um, like I still have interest, even though I don't think she's a great actress. I think like director, like filmmaker and also Ron Howard's daughter, like very interesting from that perspective. Like these, like, I don't know, I might just let you do a doc talk on them and see, and I'll read that blog and check it out later. But with Pixar in general, I'll just take a step back again here and just say that we got the Lightyear trailer like two weeks ago, right? So there wasn't really much to see here from Pixar themselves, their second div- uh, division here. And they released two movies in 2020. They released Luca earlier this year. So they're already like a little ahead of their usual methodog- methodological pace or methodical pace, I should say, sorry. So like I have a one movie a year, they're kind of ahead of that already. And now they're doing a series. So they are um, doing a series. Yeah. I, I didn't write that down, but there's their first ever series that they're doing from Pixar. That's kind of cool. Yeah. So I think that this is like, just kind of a, you know, I, I wasn't expecting too much because we just got the light year trailer. So just business as usual from Pixar really. And then like Pixar is known for their shorts too. Like, uh, mm-hmm. so I, like, I'm not surprised by this series approach, how it's going to be almost like an anthology of sorts, but still like wrapping up around the same story about a softball team. So I, I, that has me pretty pumped actually. Like I, I do enjoy those. I'm going to watch Chow Alberto. Cause I really liked Luca. I think more so than you and Nez. Like I was a huge fan of that movie. So I'll check that out. Um, anything Pixar I'll watch. It's, but I, I, I think the good. documentary on Lightyear will be fascinating to watch. Maybe they'll get Tim Allen on there and Chris Evans. Maybe they do like a like a discussion, a panel, or like, like uh, what, what's the, what's the one on one actors on actors? Yeah, Tim I love Allen. actors on actors. Tim Allen and Chris Evans, <laughs> actors on actors. Oh my gosh! Can you think of like two more opposite people that just play the same character? It's nuts. Yeah. Um, let's go on to the Marvel news because this is what stole the show at Disney Plus Day. Although. At the same time, a bit underwhelming. We got Hawkeye. We got a new poster and a first clip release with Jeremy Renner and Haley Steinfeld in an action-packed scene. Comes out next week. Right? Action-packed scene that has the Christmas theme music going on in the background. Uh, Miss Marvel is going to release quarter four, 2022 on Disney+. Plus. We got a clip from that. It's a short teaser. We have a revival of X-Men, the animated series, in the works at Disney+. Plus for 2023. It's currently titled X-Men 97. All right, the original cast will all return, right, to voice these characters. Absurd. Ricky Flex, before I go through the rest of this Marvel news, when I uh, edit this pod, introing into Disney Plus Day, I'm going to do a transition of the X-Men theme song, just decided. Good, good, um, good. More, more animated series news. We're going to get a Spider-Man freshman year show. Right? It's in the works. It's set in the MCU and follows Peter Parker in his early days as Spider-Man. 
with a journey unlike anything we've ever seen in a style that celebrates the character's early comic book roots. So I guess we, we're going to see an Uncle Ben story mixed in in here. Uh, next, right, Agatha House of Harkness is officially in the works at Marvel Studios for Disney Plus, an upcoming series with Katherine Hahn, Emmy-nominated Katherine Hahn. Shout out, Nez. Well, there's an animated Marvel zombie series in the works at Disney Plus that comes. Uh, sorry, I just got a text. That distracted me. <laughs> but we have a we had the Marvel Zombies as a spinoff for What If? And then we have a first look at Moon Knight. That was probably the coolest thing I've ever seen, like from Disney. From today. Disney, uh, Disney yeah. That was so cool. Uh, it blew my mind when I was at work. Uh, just uh, stills in a brief teaser. We had She-Hulk with obviously Mark Ruffalo and Tatiana Maslany. Uh, and then we had uh, first look at Samuel L. Jackson returns Nick Fury and Secret Invasion. No trailer or anything like that. We just got a first look of him without an eye patch. Uh, let's talk about Moon Knight, Ricky Flex. What do you think of the first clip? the teaser this is what stole the show uh for disney plus day wasn't much to steal the show but this definitely was it because it was like the only teaser we got um that's definitely the one thing with oscar isaac who's we just chatted about who's like kind of up and up and up right now no ethan hawk appearance which is interesting no ethan hawk but moon knight this looks promising just a little teaser so i'm not going to get too much and uh too excited yet but i am very excited so this is like when people were trying to recast Batman and they were wanted Oscar Isaac to take on the role. This is his Batman, like mm-hmm. him flying through the air, right? The darkness and grittiness of this is unlike anything I've seen in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, he's it dressed all in white. Pipe pumped. And the story, it's fascinating. A schizophrenic who doesn't know who he becomes at night and he's fighting crime, taking souls. And Oscar Isaac's just going to murder it. And then like the costume design looks unreal with the white glove on the ground right him beating the crap out of that dude it has that grittiness and violence to it that i think it's almost going to create a borderline r-rated type of show to disney plus it won't be right i right. know deadpool right. is going to be the only project that's really rated r but i like that we, we they're teetering here right and we talked about ridley scott's comments earlier like what does marvel need to do to change it up a bit let's get dark let's get yeah. dark let's get dark i'm pumped for it um any other comments I, I'm, I'm sad we didn't see Ethan Hawke either. I think it still creates that mystery around his character. Um, and Ethan Hawke's been making some interesting decisions career-wise lately. Yeah. Uh, the, Black, the Black Phone, uh, Scott Derrickson film, where he Blumhouse. is the uh, yeah, he's the kidnapper, which wears that mask. He looks like he's got that scary vibe to him. I think it's going to lend itself great as an opposition to um, Oscar Isaac and Moon Knight, a darker character. So I'm mm-hmm. pumped about that. Um, I also want to talk about, let's talk about this revival series, Ricky Flex. Let's talk about X-Men because this is when I first got Disney plus, I was over Nez's house actually with our friend Joe. And I said, you guys have Disney plus yet? And they said, no, I'm like, okay, sign into mine right now. I not watched a thing. The first thing I said is go to the X-Men series. We're listening to the theme song. First thing I said when I got Disney plus and we just rocked out to it. I was like, I think I played it two or three times. We didn't even watch the episode. I just mm-hmm. wanted to hear the song. Uh, and you forget that the show was actually fired too, but the theme song was just that good. The how pumped are you? To, how invested were you into the show in the show when you were younger? I was incredibly invested. I will I will admit it was my second favorite Marvel animated series in this in this era. The Spider Man animated series was the first thing I once I got to Disney Plus the first day it was available. I watched twenty straight episodes of that. So this this was second to that, but they did have crossover episodes. So yes, I am incredibly pumped shocked absolute shocked 
that the original cast is here. How? They're also alive and everything and, and they're all willing to do it. Well, it makes sense Disney that they're all willing to do it. None of the do you know a single one of these names? No, but are you glad? <laughs> but are you glad that they're back? Absolutely. These bums, <laughs> they're back. But God, did they ex- they perfected each voice? The ma- it's like similar to like you know the people that voice SpongeBob from all those videos, but you don't know their names. Same thing here. Like I can't wait to actually see this show, hear their voices again. Twenty twenty three can't come soon enough. X Men. 97 we're rolling now just bring back the spider-man series but we kind of got something very similar with uh what we got next here freshman year yeah so we got to talk about how we're going to have an animated series that is directly set in the mcu what if is kind of like it's kind of up in the air whether it's actually in the mcu it's an mcu series i guess or and i guess it could be right in in a way it could be connected to the overall mcu but i don't think it's been concrete if like they want it to be separate or not this is like actually going to be lore in the MCU. It's going to be Tom Holland, his character. He, he's not confirmed to be in the series or anything like that. I assume it's going to be the same actor from What If, because I don't think Tom Holland would commit to an animated TV show. But they're going to tell a story of this, of Peter Parker becoming, uh, uh, becoming Spider-Man, where he has not met up with Tony Stark yet. He's not in Civil War. And they're gonna, they they have the opportunity to tell the origin story they have been um, kind of hinting at throughout Tom Holland's yes. existence. So are you uh, are you excited for this, or would you rather see them explore a different story? What are your thoughts? I think this is one of the big things where that I took away from Disney uh, Plus Day here because although it will probably just be recycling the old Spider Man movie or uh, story, I think where some people that hesitate hesitate or that are hesitant with the Tom Holland Spider-Man versus the other two, Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire's, is that is not as core to the comic book as the other two, or they have the comic book uh, environment, the comic book, I guess just the general nature of it isn't as comic booky as the other two. And this is where it's going to help with that. And I think that this also, Tom Holland this week in the past couple of weeks has said, I could just retire from acting or I could do- He's hinting at like not years. coming back as spider Yeah. And he's saying things like, this is the end game. And I could picture me not doing Spider-Man for like five years, or I just retire from it. He's saying some weird things, but you're hearing the fact that they're going to like stop doing like, not just from Tom Holland, but just general rumors that Spider-Man might take a break. Like they're going to halt some movies, Spider-Man, let some of these other new characters in the MCU, this new phase of the MCU, let their movies come out before they do a fourth Spider-Man movie. That's why he's calling this an end game. That's why he's saying this is kind of the end of the trilogy before the next one. So this could be a nice little buffer, kind of help buffer the gap for fans like us, who Spider-Man may or may not be our favorite superhero, not just an MCU, but also DC and kind of just help as a buffer gap between these Spider-Man movies. So as they won't be as frequent, but help keep getting that comic book feel that Spider-Man feel from this great character. Yeah, so I like how you said, like, you brought up the fact that it, Tom Holland has talked about this is, like, their endgame. So it's like, okay, after we had this last Avengers movie, there's some Avengers fatigue. Let's bring in some new characters. So that's exactly what they're doing here, probably. And will there be a sequel trilogy for Spider-Man and Tom Holland? I would assume so. Because we want I want to see an older Spider-Man. Like, I, I'm done with the high school Spider-Man, to be honest. Like, I'm okay with they have this series, like, to kind of give us some Spider-Man content. And uh, we have Into the Spider-Verse still Definitely. coming next. Into the Spider-Verse coming next year, the animated sequel. But 
I'm okay with like Tom Holland taking a break because I, I don't want to just see him in Spider-Man movies either. Tobey Maguire, he was only a high schooler for one movie, but I really like Spider-Man too when he went to like explore his college age, right? Where he's seeing Dr. Connors. He's going into photography. He's working for the Daily Bugle. I want to see a different side of Tom Holland's Spider-Man, one that uh, has yet that hasn't been explored, but we have seen a type of Spider-Man like that on screen. Uh, good. What else here? Ricky Flicks, She-Hulk, dude. Yeah. What they've done to Mark Ruffalo is a travesty. What the biggest. Mark- yeah. You could Go say ahead. that, or what they did with Thor and Endgame are the biggest travesties that they have ever done, or the biggest mistakes that Marvel's like ever Fat done. Thor. Fat Thor. Um, I think those two are are uh, on the same level tier one mistakes that Marvel has done. It's honestly, I hate how they're leaning into uh, this Hulk with this series. At least that's what's being seen in this teaser. And the fact that Mark Ruffalo hasn't had his own movie is an abomination, pun intended. But I can't believe he's doing this series. All in all, this doesn't look like they didn't show us anything except green legs and jack calves <laughs> jack calves and uh i don't want to say it sucks because it's just a teaser but this was such a disappointment like when she says like you won't like me when i'm angry it's like she was doing an ad <laughs> yes yeah yes. she might have been doing an ad i don't know but like seeing bruce banner with that curly hair the gray curly hair i was just like man like what could have been like he was like he was such a promising he had such a promising outlook following the first avengers i think hulk stole the show in the first avengers and you really anticipated his future and then we see age of ultron him leaving and then you see him and thor ragnarok taika watiti takes some liberties with the characters and then we have infinity war where he's not even hulk until he's like at least for most of the movie the first scene we see him just get absolutely annihilated by thanos and then endgame he's just smart hulk so it's like we didn't get true true hulk other than the first avengers Oh, it's She-Hulk. Is that is the Rice's character owned by Universal or Marvel? I don't even know anymore. Maybe so. This is got She-Hulk's got to be owned by the MCU. Like yeah, Disney. they must have bought it. So it makes you wonder. There have been rumors that Mark Ruffalo is going to get his own movie, a World War Hulk type movie. I think it's called. Uh, I could be right, could be wrong. I don't know, Ricky. Fox. I don't know. We'll I'm not, go- I'm not good with the comic storylines. Do you think that's likely to happen? Do you want to see Mark Ruffalo get his own movie at this point? He's, how old is Mark Ruffalo? He's getting older too. And I know a lot he of looks, he looks CGI, old back but, in Ragnarok. Like he's got he looked old back in Avengers, to be honest. But but he I do look so much older than Edward Norton did like in 07. Yeah. Know? But uh right. it is funny how you mentioned like in Avengers, how like Hulk stole the show because he did. But I think a big part of that was because like 03 was the Eric Banner one and Nick mm-hmm. Nolte. <laughs> and then obviously you got 08, 09, Incredible Hulk with Ed Norton, Ed Norton. And those two, like Hulk just didn't look like he should be like you've seen like in the comics or anything. It was just a letdown, those two movies for the most part. So to him steal the show, but then nothing come up, come of it after that, after the fact was just such a disappointment. And now what they did, not taking advantage of 2012 Avengers and just putting it on a downward spiral from there. Terrible travesty. Yeah, sucks. And I think a big problem is they didn't have the rights. They can't put him alone in his own movie. They're mm-hmm. dealing with Universal, mm-hmm. but figure it they- out. I know they like, like you Spider-Man got Spider-Man and Sony you did got Spider-Man, dude, you got Spider-Man. You can't make a deal for Hulk. Come on, be better. Um, so that's going to, I think that's, I don't really want to talk about 
Miss Marvel. I didn't really, that didn't capture my attention really. Yeah. And Agatha was, was inevitable. We all, we knew about it already just waiting uh-huh. for the announcements. So, and same with Marvel zombies. Like that was like the one, like the one People episode. Like, oh, yeah. Zombies are back. <laughs> right. Army but of the I, dead. But Marvel. I did that first clip of Hawkeye was really cool. The, the yeah. road scene, the arrows, different types. I think Haley Steinfeld, Jeremy Renner, they're hinting at some really great chemistry in this next series. Yeah. I think the first episode next week. Yeah, next Friday, uh, Black Friday. Go. But uh, yeah, I think that's kind of something the MCU talk, I think. But if we just quickly, I just have a couple notes on the other stuff. Yeah, I, I was going to read over some of the uh, other oh, projects. We are, we're going to get into, all right, you go, you go. So uh, some of the other projects here, the Enchanted sequel, Disenchanted, will release in fall 22 on Disney+. Plus. We got the first trailer for a spinoff of Big Hero 6, Baymax. Uh, the series releases in summer 22 on Disney, 2022 on Disney+. Plus. We got a Cheaper by the Dozen reboot that's going to start Gabrielle Union and Zach Braff. Holy cannoli, holy throwback. That's going to release on March 2022. Uh, animated Diary of a Wimpy Kid, Roderick Rules movie will release on Disney+. Plus. Like That's huge with the kids these days. Predator prequel. I'm kind of excited about this. Prey is going to release in summer 2022 on Hulu, Andy Samberger, John Mulaney are going to star as Chip and Dale in Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers, a new movie that's coming to Disney Plus in spring 2022. We got our first look at Hocus Pocus 2 uh, with the returning cast from the original. And then also Robert Zemeckis live action Pinocchio remake releases in fall 22 on Disney Plus. And let's just remind you of the cast. Tom Hanks, Cynthia Erivo, Luke Evans, Benjamin Evan Ainsworth, JGL, Keegan-Michael Key, and Lorraine Bracco. My God. Ricky Flux, did I mention one of the stories you wanted to talk about? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I guess just real quick, Predator pre- prequel, like, sure. I know you just said you're excited for it. I don't know. Besides the original film uh, in 87, the rest, honestly, I don't think are good. I, you kind of need Arnold, so I'm not excited for it. But it is on Hulu, so it means rated R, most likely, as not on Disney+. Plus. So that's interesting. But the one I wanted to talk about, which I think is a big issue. This Pinocchio remake, live action with Zemeckis. Not wow. in theaters. And it's coming out in the fall with this cast. Tom Hanks, a streaming legend now. That was crazy to me, how they're doing this. How are you doing this live action of Pinocchio? One of their like cult classics, Disney cult classics, is going straight to Disney+. Plus. I think that is a sin. Like, just disrespectful to your own brand to do that. I don't, I cannot believe they're doing that with this cast and a Robert Zemeckis movie. I know Robert Zemeckis doesn't hit on everything, right? Like, sure, he did the witches. He did the witches. That's a problem. He did Welcome to Marwin, your pick, your first pick in the Oscar Oscar bait. bait. But this guy is still like back to the future for his thumb. Frame Roger Rabbit. Does Pinocchio have the same appeal as like a Beauty and the Beast or Aladdin though? I don't think so. I think like people like me, like they're scared of it. Like <laughs> when yeah. we're kids. Oh my God. When, when, when Pinocchio shows up on the beach, like dead, like I, I like scream. I, 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 to this day, I don't watch Pinocchio. And there are some dark elements to that movie. They should have dark had, elements. Imagine they had Guillermo del Toro direct a Pinocchio. Like, well, isn't uh, that happening? Like, isn't there another Pinocchio project in the works with Guillermo? Sounds like it would be better than this one. I'm, I'm looking right now. But I don't know. I think you're right with that, as in it's not as highly touted as other Disney Disney it's classics. Happening. It is happening. Up, upcoming American stop motion animated musical fantasy directed by Guillermo del Toro. All right. It's got uh, 
oh my god is this cast real it says <laughs> i don't know this is real it says finn wolfhard ewan mcgregor tilda swinton christoph waltz Kate blanchett is this real what the hell that's awesome sorry i interrupted you i i apologize no no honestly that sounds so much better like if that's live action and gonna be on the big screen that's gonna be like more of a horror aspect to it stop sure. motion stop motion yeah. oh okay well take it back <laughs> Yeah, I guess so. But still, I don't know. I just going straight to streaming just feels weird to me with this. But I guess you're right. But still, I I'm, I won't back down from my take. It's just Tom Hanks. Like you see the name Tom Hanks, you think of like American icon, just a pop culture icon, or just a cultural in general icon. So it's just weird because like what we've seen from him, he just had Finch come out on Apple Plus, Apple TV, excuse me. We just had he just had uh, the Greyhound World War II movie, I believe come out mm. on apple, apple tv and here we go with pinocchio coming out on disney plus it seems like hank is on board with this streaming these streaming options or they're just throwing him the freaking bag it's like he I just wants it. young people to know him yeah it's interesting like he's trying just trying to stay relevant but at the same time you're doing movies on apple tv no one has apple tv hey bro. we know that you're the first celebrity to get covid you're relevant yeah yeah you'll be in the lore forever all right i'm glad you're okay tom uh that's all i got and that's all we got for Disney Plus Day. Uh, with that being said, if you want to catch up on any other news, make sure to follow us on Twitter. Okay, scroll, scroll through our timeline. All right. Uh, we try and stay on top of these things. That's going to do it for Disney Plus Day recap. We will now move on to our review of Netflix's largest movie of all time, Red Notice. All right, look, star, Red Notice. Uh so a, a review I wasn't really looking forward to, but after watching the movie, I got some things to talk about. Uh, this currently has a 36% on Rotten Tomatoes, a 90, 92% audience score. That's got to be one of the greatest disparities of all time. All right. You got to expect that score with such likable actors. IMDB, let me just check right here, has a 6.5 out of 10, which is only 0.1 less than The Harder They Fall review coming up after this. Uh, synopsis says, in the world of international crime, an Interpol agent attempts to hunt down and capture the world's most wanted armed art thief. Very um, basic synopsis for a movie that takes a lot of twists and turns from the start to the finish. Ricky Flex, what were your initial reactions to Red Notice? This is a tough one. I thought, like, after finishing it, I liked watching it. I did like watching it. Did I think it was good? No, but I did actually enjoy like watching it versus other Netflix action movies it's like a uh, Six Underground or like uh, a Bright where I hated them and they sucked. But this one like wasn't very good, but I liked watching it. And I don't even think all three of these stars, I don't think all three of them were great either in it. But I don't know, like. I think it like obviously there were some homages to Indiana Jones, National Treasure, like yep. even a little mummy there. Like they had like it's they had it's uh kind of homage, like paying homage, like I said. And I don't think this was trying to be a good movie. I think they got what they wanted with the stars on the screen, showing their charisma, their screen presence, their the budget. CGI and then that just equals people watching it in dollars. I think they got what they wanted. I enjoyed it. Will I see it again? Probably not, but I, I'm glad I watched it one time on a weekend. How about yourself? Um, 
I have many, many of the similar thoughts that you just uh, recited. I think that it's interesting that Netflix at the time they purchased the rights to this film, it was about, it was $200 million to like actually buy the right to this film before they even started making it. And so I was anticipating a better quality in film, but at the same time, Netflix has this weird thing going well that where they'll team up with the David Fincher, they'll team up with, team up with a Noah Baumbach or Ryan Johnson. But then again, they'll make a movie that almost has like a fast and furious vibe of absurdity to it like almost like a six underground and like a red notice. Okay. Where they're just going to finally shell out money for these big budget stars, something that they weren't doing in their original content. Right. If we think of like older movies they've done where it's like one recognizable star surrounded by some no names that are kind of up and comers. Right. Mm -hmm. So now we're just getting Ryan Reynolds, Gal Gadot and the rock three of the biggest action movie stars on the planet. Um, So I think it was enjoyable. It was a great turn your brain off movie. We got two turn your brain off movies pretty much for this week's review. I think we should go into the performances here because these real are quick. Oh, oh, real sorry. quick. Just because you mentioned that might as well get this out of the way. Cause this review might get a little crazy. I could already see us now. Like we're talking about something serious right now, but I could just see this because of what the movie is. This is going to be spoilers, right? Yeah. Why not? Uh, the world has seen it. Yeah. Everyone <laughs> you know? is the largest Netflix movie. If you haven't seen it, like, which this is probably very few of you that haven't go see it. But um, yeah, it's just so weird that uh, like they do all these like action, like movies that aren't very good, but then they do mm-hmm. all these like Oscar nominated film. Like we didn't even mention Sorkin, like Scorsese, right. like Alfonso Cuaron Roma. Like, it's just crazy how the disparity at Netflix is and how like they kind of are saying, all right, We'll do these Oscars, uh, Oscar nominated ones, but you know what? We'll do these turn your brain off, big budgets and big eyeballs on it. So it's kind of like they cover the gamut. Yeah. It's fascinating. But let's talk about Ryan Reynolds. Let's talk about The Rock. Let's talk about Gal Gadot. Um, What do you think of their performances here? Who do you like the best? Was there a best or were they all themselves? So what do you think, Flex? I think they all just play themselves, really. And I think that's what people like, though. Like, no wonder they have so much, like, so many millions of people that follow them on Instagram and Twitter and whatnot. People like them. And you know what? I like them. They're charismatic. And like I said, like, they have a charm about them. I like them. If I had to say one person, like, didn't live up to the other two, I would say it's Gal Gadot, Gal Gadot. I think that some of her jokes didn't hit. I think that some of them felt forced. And I think The Rock, same with him sometimes. I think a lot of the rock was I thought The Rock stunk. Like he he didn't he the rock the rock didn't bring the charm that he usually does. He didn't have it. And I think I think that I think that Ryan Reynolds, though, I thought he was like himself, but truly like himself and like was good. So I think that like tier-wise, I think the rock and Gal Gadot Gadot are like very equal. If you say the rock was worse, I say Gadot was probably a little worse, but I think just because Goodell was on the screen as much. So it's it just seemed a little more forced to me, but Ryan Reynolds, I thought was like the one when it was like, all right, well, this guy's a kind, like, I don't want to say caring. Bring, he's bringing it. Yeah. But he's bringing it. And both all these, all three of these actors, actresses, actors, they have so many projects in their, in like down the pipeline here. They each have like five or more projects coming out in the next two years. Like they are working and, and putting out work. And this is like the one where it's like, all right, like, Let's all just have a good time together. And you could see that yeah. here. They were all just having a good time. They knew this was going to do monster numbers. They knew it was going to do monster numbers. I think The Rock did mail it in. My rankings would actually be Gal Gadot number one 
Reynolds <sighs> two, The Rock three. Why? I thought, I thought Gal Gadot kind of showed off what some some acting ability that she didn't really show off previously. She's played like that that uh, warrior and um, just moral high ground with wonder woman but here we see her taking almost like a semi-villainous turn um and i thought this, she didn't get a lot of screen time in the first half of the movie but i thought when she was on screen those were the best scenes i think i think i, I do and i thought the chemistry between the rock and ryan reynolds was pretty good all three of these actors have worked with one another at some point except for reynolds and godot we have mm-hmm. ryan reynolds and the rock and hobbs and shaw we got the rock and gal gadot earlier fast and furious lot of fast and furious connections yes, yes. here I just thought Ryan Reynolds, yes, I thought he was like he was himself, his snarkiness and uh, his comedic timing all on point. It's just he's the same, which is it's yeah. fine for me. It's entertaining. But I liked what Gal Gadot brought to the table. And I thought like she brought something. Oh, she's like showing something that I almost didn't think she had. And I, I thought she was just going to be a pretty face. But she brought some elements to this movie that were a little bit more than that, in my opinion. So I think I, I agree with you. As in with your last point there, like she brought something different. And I'll tell you this much. She was like arguably with the rock. Like, I think it's a battle between who was worse. I think that she should be doing more stuff like this rather than like serious acting. Yeah. I think she should be like people. I think she's not a great actress. She's not, but she like, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't think she's great at acting. And I think she should be leaning more into these blockbuster fun movies. And then maybe like work her way back into trying the dramatic acting. Obviously, Wonder Woman's like one of those characters that isn't like worldly, right? She's like literally out of this world, superhero goddess. Like she's gonna be like non-human, so it may it works for that. But eighty four was a a mess. She was a big part of that mess. She was terrible too, in that. and obviously she has to keep doing that. She is Wonder Woman. She looks too much like Wonder Woman. That's who she's going to be for the rest of her career. So she has to keep doing it. But outside of that, she should be doing this stuff. I'm nervous that like for this, this upcoming Cleopatra movie she's in with Patty Jenkins is going to be an absolute disaster. Yeah. Like, I, like, I can't see that being good. Following up Elizabeth Taylor's iconic performance. I don't see that happening. But I do want to make a comment yeah. about these three actors. It feels like they're all plateauing. Like it feels like Ryan Reynolds plays himself in every movie. The only thing that we kind of like look forward to seeing him in now is Deadpool. And now he's taking a break from acting. So we're not going to see him for a bit. The rock seems like he's almost tired of being in these movies. It seems like he kind of mailed it in here. And Gal Gadot is just an action star that uh, is kind of trying to be that serious actor with this Cleopatra role. Mm-hmm. It feels like this is like right up. This was up their wheelhouse, but it seems like there's not much room for improvement for any of them, to be well, honest. I agree for the most part with Gal Gadot, Gal Gadot. She hit her peak with Wonder Woman. I think that was like, she was like on her way up. She hit Wonder Woman and now she's actually going down. She peaked at high school. Going. Yeah, exa- exactly. She peaked in high school. Um, exactly. Ryan Reynolds, I'll say he is at his peak right now. Post Deadpool two. Like Deadpool, break. I, thought, I thought Deadpool was his peak, but then Deadpool two even bigger. And now like, I think that's where he is Six right now. Six underground, red notice. I don't know. I think he's still there. Like, as in, like, people view him as Deadpool. Right. Like, I, you know, I, I'm not saying, like, no, people still will adore these people. I'm saying, like, as actors, they plateaued. Like, yeah, they so I think he, I think you're, I think you're right with him as in plateau. Like, he's still up there, but, like, I don't know how he's going to, like, 
break that. And he has the ability to do it, right? Where he was like trying to break away from Green Lantern. The movie's like buried, okay? Mississippi grind. He has that next level to him. But it seems like he's just not taking that next yeah, step. He kind of do. He kind of was like the like if we want to keep with the high school references, he was like the jock athlete in high school, like good looking guy. Then college, he's like, oh crap, kind of dipped with Green Lantern and all those that mess. But then after college, like came back. But now he's like kind of in the mid midlife crisis era right now, where he's like, all right, do I have to? I have to like make a change in my career or something. I'm gonna be a stay at home dad the next two years. And right. Just reflect on life. exactly. But then with The Rock, if we go to him real quick, I would agree with you. But when you have a superhero film coming out soon, you can't deny but it's, he's gonna be the same guy as. But like, you can't. Just, but yeah. you can't assume it. It's superhero. You don't know for sure. Superhero is like that one. I think thing he's gonna be great. It could be like a Green Lantern where you think he's gonna be great, but Ryan Reynolds sucked, or it's gonna be like Ryan Reynolds Deadpool where just catastrophic numbers and actually good so black black ass where you can prove me wrong that, yeah, that exactly could be different. so I, i'm not gonna say plateaued if anything i think he's going down but i think we have to wait and see with the rock uh, that, that, that that was good banter there ricky I, I i like how we just assess those actors and their like in their resumes uh i think also i want what i want to talk about what stuck out to this movie it was if I felt like I was watching a movie made by the Travel Channel, like like it seemed like they were in like Bali, they went to Egypt, they go to like Cairo, like I don't like they're going to all these exotic places and then they're going to these islands and they they didn't show how they got there, they would just yeah. like flash on the screen a lot of plot holes in this movie, plot holes galore, yeah, just plot too holes many. galore. Like how do they get from place to place? And- but like, I, but it's like it was beautiful. Look at all these places. I felt like I was looking at Discovery or something like that. You know, I- it was like trying to bring that flash. So obviously there's plot looks galore and how they get there. Like they're in Spain on a train and then they go to Argentina. That's literally the next, like the title, like the transition scene was Argentina title card and they're in the jungle. And when they were just on a Spain uh, uh, train, train Mm -hmm. in Spain, like that's just the definition of this movie. Basically. I knew you were going to bring up the title cards. I was like, Ricky Flux is definitely the title cards. They were, it's you're like, it is mind-boggling they had to bring up title cards when you're in these different places you spent 200 million dollars on the budget the cgi was questionable in this movie it was questionable in my eyes yeah let's talk about it let's talk about it like the bali scenes was terrible terrible ryan's gossip the lighting it was so obvious it was a cgi like i couldn't I was gonna say that along with the bowl. The bowl was terrible. the bowl was terrible. That was like that was the worst. The waterfall opinion. was pretty bad. Train that was coming at the rock it's, was also bad. It, oh, it just yeah. felt like you spent two hundred million dollars to gain the rights to this movie, but did you just like not spend it? Like when it came to the actual production, <laughs> like you spent so much damn money. It's just it's a, it's like they okay. They just mailed it in immediately. They're just like okay, we got right. this. It's gonna be a certified banger. Everyone's gonna watch this. I should say like four four point two million on a on the opening weekend. That's insane. If those numbers, if those numbers are true, not surprised with these people, but you would expect a better quality of movie. And it just shows what suckers all these viewers are. And they eat it up time after time. Yeah. And if you had to guess how many places they went in this, this, uh, like how many countries they went to doctor, how many would you say? Six. Okay. Okay. I wrote down six. It could have been more, but, uh, yeah, it could have been more. Yeah. Cause Italy, Russia, England, Egypt, Argentina, Spain, and I think they went to more places. But like 
they didn't have to do title cards even with that many if they just showed them correctly if the cgi was actually good or they just didn't or like they did like more stereotypical locations or like all these locations if they weren't in the jungle or like if there wasn't a bull whatever fighting bull fight then like you wouldn't know where they were like the differences in locations yeah they were like just starting to do those cultural references that kind right. of like hinted at it so they just did a terrible job and that goes with also writing writing and di- directing the, no, terrible transitions just bad transitions so um it's it like again like or not again but Earlier in this episode, I, I mentioned Ross and Marshall Thurber, who directed this movie, previously worked with The Rock with Skyscraper and Central Intelligence. Skyscraper don't like, Central Intelligence actually really like. Um, but there's also the guy behind World of Millers and Dodgeball. Two movies that I think actually hit comedically. Oh, big time. Dr. O, did this hit you comedically? I feel like Ryan Reynolds was carrying the load. Uh, I think that he... I, I'm not completely tired of the shtick, but I'm starting to feel feel some fatigue from Ryan Reynolds here. Like I like I, I we just reviewed him in Free Guy. But like, yep, he's playing himself again. Oh, he's here again. He's here again. Mm-hmm. It just it didn't it didn't hit the same. I, there is some a little bit of fatigue setting in. I still enjoy watching him, and I think he's a great entertainer. But The Rock had no charm in this movie. He it's like it's like the monsters like zapped his powers, and he was just nowhere near the charm he had. Let's say in like a Jungle Cruise, where he really brought it, in my opinion. Like where I actually thought he was better in Jungle Cruise than most of his movies. Um, so I, I was just shocked by that and then gal gadot nah i didn't really laugh much when she was talking but yeah i thought her acting wasn't terrible terrible i just i'm thinking we're the millers dodgeball even central intelligence didn't hit the same no 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 no. i like it did not hit the same but also like i rewatch those movies if they're on tv especially dodgeball obviously it's a classic but like we're the, we're the millers, millers just kind of entering that stratosphere Wow, that you said it, not me. Just for the record, no, but, like uh, a modern day, like Jason Sudeikis, like yeah, seeing yeah, Ted yeah. Lasso. We're like, oh, remember him more than Miller's? Like, ugh. right, right. And hey, Adam Warlock. <laughs> but uh, mm-hmm. but uh, what was I saying? Oh, but uh, like I quote those movies. Like this one, you're thinking, oh, like Ross and Thurber. Like you, you're gonna have some potential here. Like for some quotable lines, rewatchable factors on Netflix will always be on Netflix. And it, I literally only have one line I remember. And I only remember it because the song is pretty apparent. <laughs> From our two weeks ago, we did a review of Last Night in Soho, the downtown. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. That, I was, yeah. that was the hardest laugh I did in the movie. And it was only because, like, oh, my God, this song is on a heater right now. I think my laughs came with the cultural references in this movie. And they, they were like, they really threw like the pop culture references, the aviation gin right at the beginning. Oh, the tequila and, and, the and, and, and at the bar. Yes. And then Ricky, let's keep going with these cultural references. Like Ed Sheeran showing up. Like, that what was the terrible. Hell? What the hell? And then he brought, like, we, we know he was in Game of Thrones. Like, I hate how he brought that up. Like, that's, we know that's why. That's like, that's why you did this. And I, I was in Game of Thrones. I was like, Jesus, come on. But it's just like, I, the, it, like then I, the best one, though. The best one. Oh, I think you, one. The, one, the one you hinted at. Shots fired at Vin Diesel in a rock movie. Shots fired at Vin Diesel in a rock movie. This is a big deal based on previous news, previous episode with the checkup, right? Vin Diesel calling out the rock. The next movie, the next movie premiere weekend, we got 
Ryan Reynolds saying Vin Diesel has an audition tape for Cats. I mean, that's perfect. I actually, that was actually the biggest laugh I had. <laughs> now that I think back to it, I forgot yeah. about that. I didn't, I didn't write that down, but that was my biggest laugh by far. What mm-hmm. timing, Vin Diesel, we need a response. Maybe yeah. a karaoke song. That would be my preference. Rap battle. I I need some social media reaction from Vin Diesel here. Uh, But Ricky Flex, I also want to talk about something that did work. I thought some of the, I know we talked about CGI sucking, but other ways this movie did look good and not the travel channel aspect. But the practical like scenes where like the actual hand-to-hand combat and the uh, the stunts that were being done were pretty cool. That opening Mm -hmm. scene with the the opening sequence was amazing. It was amazing. I, I like you, the great like start. Probably doing a lot of these stunts. Ryan Reynolds, no way he's doing all the stuff that he was doing in the beginning of that. I movie. was looking. I was like but looking at his face. I was like saying, like, "No way did that." But one of them, one of the jump kicks and like splits. I was like, his face was at the camera. Yeah, I was like, "Oh my it god, did. was that actually him?" And like I like, rewound it. Uh, no, sorry. I like I watched it again. Just that one scene, and I was like, "I think that was him." It it, it was his face at the camera. I was like, "Wow, that had to be him." So I that was my you. favorite scene in the movie. Yeah, the opening scene, right? That was mm-hmm. by far my favorite. But uh, I do think like the action, like action, actual hand-to-hand combat, were the highlights of this movie. I do think the banter, for the most part, particularly Ryan Reynolds, that was good. I'm assuming some like a lot of that was also like off the cuff as well. Maybe that- maybe The Rock just can't keep up with Ryan Reynolds. He his mind works so he's, fast. You got to wonder yeah. if he's improvising a lot of these lines. I mean, him pulling out like a like a Vin Diesel like <laughs> line like that. Did you think that was in the script? I can see Ryan Reynolds just saying that because he knows like the right. underlying rivalry between him and The Rock. Yeah, pulling that out. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, I could. That's a good the, point. The Rock's like keep it. You know, I like. I, I don't think. He's like the rock. He can have comedic timing, but he can't think on his feet and improvise the way Ryan Reynolds can. You feel like he's doing it every scene, you know? So mm-hmm. that, that's kind of tough. And Gal Gadot, I don't think you do that either. So it just, it's kind of a mismatch in that capacity. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I agree with you. And then also the, 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 the car chase scene with the Nazi vehicle, the throwback to Indiana Jones. I thought that was a pretty cool scene as well. I enjoyed that one at the end. Yeah. I, Again, another Hitler storyline, but uh, of course, it was an action movie. But uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. Like I know we were just bashing it for a little bit there, but not just the action sequences. Like I'm, I am a sucker for Ryan Reynolds a little bit. I just think he's hilarious. And The mm-hmm. Rock, I do agree with you that maybe not as much. I still think he was good. I do. I now I agree with you for sure though. He definitely couldn't keep up with Ryan Reynolds. I Could definitely he? agree with you. That's I think he that's lost the perfect the charm, way to put it. Bro. Yeah, I think I do think like that's probably the reason why I didn't like him as much in this one than I did like with him and Kevin Hart or or prior work. Yeah. So I don't know. I think that might be something to recycle Central Intelligence too. But I think we have to talk about the ending real quick before we end, though. Absolutely. A sequel. Most yeah. likely in the works or will be in the works. And it's going to probably outdo the original because so many people saw this first one and it's got the same action, the action stars in it. Who knows who they're adding to the cast? Maybe as a potential enemy or a potential competitor as an art thief. The the ending, I think, avoided the cliche, though, pretty well, where it's like, okay, Ryan Reynolds and like The Rock are going to be best friends. They're going to take down Gal Gadot. It did keep me on my toes a little bit. Uh, It didn't. Did it really make sense? I was questioning the motives of these characters the entire time, but the ending kind of made it like, oh, I get it now. Like where it's mm-hmm. like, cause I was like, why mm-hmm. is the rock 
in this car helping out Gal Gadot, who he's trying to bring to prison. And then like, why is like, like he had a chance to kill her and he doesn't kill her. Like, or it just didn't like some of the things so, didn't line up, but when they made the final reveal, I was like, okay, that actually makes sense. The motives kind of go out the window when it all goes down. Yeah. You, gotta, you understand what I'm saying? So for me, I did not predict the sending. I know in another review that we're doing today, I did this one. I did not. What I thought was going to happen was that the rock was going to end up with Gal Gadot. <laughs> we have to figure, we have to finalize that. Um, and I thought like they were all just gonna like, go their separate ways and the rock was gonna be it with end up with her. I did not see the turn. I thought that was good. Um, definitely when you look back on it, you're like, damn it, like why didn't I see this? It makes sense with like why like I never heard of you and you're supposed to be like the best art cop in the world or whatever. So it makes sense. Should have saw it coming, didn't, but that's why like that part worked. Yeah, yeah. Um I think we should throw out some scores. I think we should throw out some scores and then wrap up this review of the most watched Netflix movie of all time. Ricky Flicks, what did you give Red Notice? 53. I'm going, I'm going 53. I liked it too much. Like, even though it's not good, I liked it too much to put it below 50. So I'm going, I'm giving it the benefit of the doubt. The enjoyable factor, 53. Definitely. If you haven't seen it and you listen to this review and you're still listening, definitely go see it. Or watch it on Netflix. I, I, like I, I'm very similar. I, I was thinking 51 the entire. Really? Time. I was thinking 51. I don't think it. I think it had enough where I was like, okay, Ryan Reynolds, I find enjoyable. Gal Gadot was actually better than expected in my opinion. Uh, minimal screen time in the first half, but it makes sense when you wrap up the story. Um, the Rock, not as good. Practical effects, hand-to-hand combat, entertaining. Although the writing is terrible, plot holes galore, it was still kind of good to look at when it wasn't CGI, travel channel aspects. I find I found it was enjoyable to watch popcorn flick, shut your brain off type movie. Will I watch it again? Absolutely not. Will I watch the sequel and review it? Probably. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I'm, 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 I'm good with the 51. It had some absurdity to it. I, I just think like, I'm thinking of like how I reviewed like a, like a fast and furious, but that almost was like to another level. And I just don't respect that franchise. That's just different. Whoa. Sorry. You you know, I don't, you know, he knows I don't respect that franchise. Like, all right. Was this better than fast, uh, fast nine F nine. I don't know. They're like the same movie to me. Really? <laughs> like, what? The, like, I don't know. Fast nine was better than this. Dude, the acting in fast nine sucked too. F nine was better than this. They went to space in a car. <laughs> hey, I don't. I don't think I gave it above a sixty. I, I probably gave it a fifty-nine. I think F nine. I, I think I gave it like a forty. Yeah, I you did. I, yeah, I think I gave yeah, it a fifty-nine. I, that, probably I gave it. But that that was that was like, I'm not into that franchise. I haven't seen all those movies. I like. I am into a Ryan Reynolds movie. I'll watch Gal Gadot on a screen. Big six underground fan. And The Rock, you could say, is the best part of the Fast and Furious franchise. So like, I'm okay with having a higher score for this and an f9 uh, you know i'm not i'm not an F9 i know fan. i know i'm just kind of grinding your gears yeah i'm sorry to the fast and furious fans but that's going to do it for our review of red notice 53 from ricky flex 51 from dr o let's now move on to our review of another netflix film the harder they fall ricky flex the harder they fall our second leg of this Netflix themed episode following our review of red notice. We have an all black cast here. 
a Jay-Z produced movie with the harder they fall. It currently stands at 87% on Rotten Tomatoes, has a 93% audience score, along with a 6.6 out of 10 on IMDb. I'm going to fire off the synopsis and then we're going to get to it. Okay. A lot to discuss with this film. So the outlaw says really precise, really quick. When an outlaw discovers his enemy is being released from prison, he reunites his gang to seek revenge. Okay, Ricky Flex, we got Idris Elba, Jonathan Majors, Regina King, Lakeith Stanfield, Delroy Lindo, a stacked, stacked, stacked cast. I'm very anticipated release for Netflix. What were your instant reactions upon viewing this film, dude? I thought it was good. I, I won't call it like amazing, but I thought it was good. It was uh, a classic revenge movie in my eyes bloody violent with some style um obviously the surrounding theme around it or like the headline was the black cast black western which is kind of forgotten in western history we've gotten a lot of movies like clint eastwood movies a lot of white america really depicting in the western times where this is like but surrounding this movie was like oh like black uh black people were very prominent or were very relevant in this time as well and they're not being shown in hollywood this is a movie that's really at the forefront of that, which is great. And I thought the movie was very good, but I do think it was sort of a poor man's Django and chain where that's like, that kept you engaged the entire time you were invested in Django and Jamie Foxx's character. This one in this Western, you weren't as engaged. You weren't as invested and although it was had those Tarantino isms with the bloody violence and style and uh, quick camera angles and shots of that nature, explosions, it just didn't. I was wasn't invested, like I said, like I was for with a Django and some other revenge type movies. I agree with many of your thoughts there, Flix. Right, it might differ on a couple, uh, but I do believe, and I tweeted this out, and you immediately after I tweeted it out, you sent me a message saying, "Screw you, dude." I was going to say this on the pod. This movie wants to be a Quentin Tarantino movie so bad, so bad. You said there's a little flash in this movie. This is all flash, all style, right? And a lot mm-hmm. of times they're doing style over substance, in my opinion. I agree with your ask, your uh, take where you said you didn't really feel for these characters. I could not care less when it got to like those emotional moments of the movie. Like when certain characters died, right? A classic Western, you're going to see people dying, right? Getting shot, right? These huge duels that are going on and these battles, almost like a war type of atmosphere within a town. When people were dying, I was just like, okay. Like I, I, didn't, I wasn't like on the verge of like feeling something deep inside. I wasn't going to start crying. I was just like, okay, whatever, right? And that was, that's kind of sad, because you have such a talented cast. And I think that just points to the writing of this movie. And as I said before, flash over substance. Um, so, I mean, what do you think about that take? Like, uh, do you think the they tried to hijack Tarantino to a point where it almost hurt the movie? I don't think it hurt the movie because I still think the movie was successful. Especially yeah. being a Netflix release, it, it did show the stars on the screen. Although I do think Idris Elbow was a little underutilized in this movie, particularly with the ending. Um, but I do think flashover sus- substance was the theme of this movie or like was the main driving point of this movie. And like there's a scene at the end, not spoiling anything with Idris Elba and Jonathan Majors. And it was a big like heart trying to be a heart throbbing scene. They're both crying. They're yeah. both crying. They're acting their, their heads off. They're and acting like, their yeah. heads off. And like this is like, wow, like, they're doing a great job acting. But again, at the end of the day, I was like, all right, the movie's over. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. I, 
<laughs> Whereas like the end of Django and Chain is just like, man, Django, at a boy, let's mm-hmm. go. Like you weren't like that in this movie at all. Um, and just to piggyback one thing you said earlier, and you were saying with the Tarantino isms, the music in this movie, uh, James or I think it's how you, James Samuel, that's the director. I, he I don't know was, if there's an accent in there, but uh, yeah. I don't, yeah, but uh, he's this is his first full feature directorial debut. Mm-hmm. Like, but uh, he's done like soundtrack work, such as Great Gatsby, and he's done other things. He's um, an artist. Like, yeah, like, he's an artist. Like he's right. like, he makes makes music. I, I was watching this on subtitles, and then this was saying like hey, Amos Samuel remix, right? Right. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, if, yeah. I think yeah. my hearing's going out because like every time I watch movies now, I'm like I have to put on subtitles or else I might not know. Well, exactly Jonathan what Majors' saying. accent in this one in the beginning made me turn on the subtitles in the first half of this movie. Yeah, me too. Me too. His accent, like I couldn't understand everything he was saying, so I kind of rewound the first like ten minutes of the movie with. And turn on captions. But, Go back to Samuel, though. Sorry. But yeah, going back to Samuel, like the music was really good. But again, going back to Tarantino and Django, like hundred black coffins, like it kept trying to do those Hell things. Yeah. And like I, I think they worked for the most part, but it just didn't hit as hard. I don't uh-huh. know. Did Did you have the same effect there? So I couldn't just I, like I don't mind when directors borrow from directors. That is movie. That's movie making. That's Hollywood. Right? It happens too. all yeah. the time. It, but if you're not the original guy and you hijack it to an extent where it just is smacking you over the head throughout the movie, I start to like roll my eyes a bit. Where I'm like, okay, I need to see something original here. Okay, so and they they had an opportunity. All right, this was a great popcorn flick. I'm not going to dismiss it. The violence was cool. Music was great, and anything like Tarantino that's going to get my attention. But they had a lot of opportunity here. We have an all-black cast. You thought you were getting something deeper just from the beginning of this movie, right? Dramatically, they say on the screen, these people existed. Right. And I was just like, okay, so we're gonna, we might get a different take on a Western. It still had the classic Western style, too. You like you had the, the duel, you had the shootout. The quick got, draws, sheriffs, the re- bounties. Revenge story, right? It has everything, okay? But I wanted to see something new on the table like they should have explored more how these people weren't represented rather than just like using their big name status and then just making a hijacked tarantino style classic western you know that's like that's i guess that's what was that kind of threw me off but i'm with you i did enjoy it right especially that last act like that it's like a 45 minutes right the nat love gang led by jonathan majors bringing them into town to take on rufus right uh Idris Elba's character, amazing, amazing scene. I thought the violence is the, once again the violence. Like it, it was, it was top notch. Like it makes it's going to bring you to uh, watching it on Netflix. I think that's like almost the draw of this movie, along mm-hmm. with the music. Uh, going on, Ricky Flix. What do you think of the performances in this movie? We mentioned the big names. Do you think they lived up to the billing? Mm. Well, I think Elba was pretty like it was just a typical big bad alpha. Um, but I thought it was good, like, but underutilized, like I mentioned in the beginning. I thought Jonathan Majors was good. Um, he was like more the one character that had to show a little bit of depth and a little range throughout. But then everyone else is pretty, you know, just one note or I don't know. Like I didn't like Zazie Beats, Zazie Beats, like because of what happens to her character. I don't know if I like I wasn't like taken aback by her or anything. She was just there doing her part. Lakeith, I felt like it was odd. I feel like his character itself was odd, not necessarily because of him, but more just how his character was written. And I then um, the two major sidekicks, like what's that guy? The Bill Pickett character. 
that actor. I, every time mm-hmm. I see him, I think of X Men First Class. I thought it was and, Wesley Snipes, <laughs> but like I think of him as the like X Men First Class when he's like that guy's like you, everyone stand back and he throws the thing at Kevin Bacon and then Kevin Bacon just absorbs his powers and then just ends his fries life him, there. Fries right. him. And I'm like, oh, and he was like the only bad part. In X-Men I, First I didn't. Class. Even, I didn't even connect it to yeah i didn't even know it's the same guy a lot there's a lot of like that guy in this movie right. like the like, other guy with the big names the like, other guy is the red is uh the blue power ranger in the power ranger movie with uh the guy from stranger things the guy who was like ch- wanted to challenge lakeith to the duel yes that guy so that guy i thought was like a famous rapper for some reason i was like this guy doesn't look uh, like like I, first I, of all i, I think name, it's because but... his, i think it's because his acting wasn't good that's why i thought it was like yeah, someone that's, that's not like classically trained or has been in movies but i did find him recognizable oh, rj kyler cutler kyler Tyler, i think it's tyler tyler yeah announce it that way but also Blue ranger first first 10 minutes of this movie let's be cops Guys, oh, star alongside Jake, Jen- oh. Jake Johnson. Is that a Wayne's cousin or something? What's yes. his name? Yes, yes. Let's be cops. I'm looking it up right now. What's his name? Damon? Wayman. Da- da- <laughs> no, it's got to be. It's not Wayman Wayne. Damon. Yeah, it's Damon Wayne's Jr. Yes. Yeah. So his, I mean, Just how, his- how he has fallen, dude. He has fallen. I thought yeah. they, there would be somewhat of a comedic career for him. Uh, but like that, like Jake Johnson is kind of ascended, especially with Into the Spider Verse, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought there was just a lot more he could have been doing. Yeah, his, uh, but like he could have done mm-hmm. in his career. I think basically just to wrap up the performances, the notes on my end. The only people like I guess Regina King was good, but I guess like the ones that stood out for me personally, like Idris Elba, because he could have been more utilized. Um, Don- Jonathan Majors, like Alpha, but also like like I said, he had to go through a lot of range with the revenge. And being like a vulnerable character throughout. But then also I'll say this, Delroy Lindo. I think that was like the one role or that they really nailed the casting. Like you could just picture him being like a bounty, like a and a, a Western lawman. You could picture right. him being like a Western cop. Like a Gene Hackman, like yeah, in, like, I, like, like yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know you could like saying. you could like say, like, oh, like that's a good casting. Like, boom, they nailed that one. And like I think Jeff they did. Bridges in uh What's the damn Hell or movie? High Water? Hell or High Water. Yeah. You know? I think they nailed that one. So I like that one. Probably the best casting. I liked Majors and Elba and Regina King. Yeah. I think I think I liked Regina King in this movie. One of my like uh, detractions from this movie is the dialogue. I thought they tried to sound so sophisticated. Like it was just like throwing me off. They're like throwing in these words. Like I do not understand. I think the everyday person yeah. doesn't understand. Yeah, I it's agree not with like, that. It's not like they're educated to a certain extent in this movie. Like these guys are outlaws. Like they're not supposed to have this vast vocabulary. Like yeah, that they, they didn't go like, to school. Like, right. It almost seems like, like Tarantino, I think of hateful eight and the conversations they have, like they no one's like using this vocabulary that is like right. through the like like that is just like almost incomprehensible, you know. They still talk like it's from that era. Like they're using these words. I'm just like, what are they talking about? Regina King did it all the time. It was like almost like it was hard to listen to sometimes. But yeah, in Lakeith, terms of Lakeith was a big uh, aspect of that as well. In terms of performances, I actually did like Lakeith in this movie. Um, I think he wasn't used nearly enough. Nearly enough. His big scene was his first scene. And like, he, yeah, uh, that was arguably my favorite scene in the movie, actually, when they hijacked the train. And I think he did a great job leading that scene. Right. He, it's like it's like when they're passing the ball, like, OK, it's Idris Elba's turn. It's Jonathan Major's turn. Right. When it was Lakeith's turn, he dominated the screen. But they kind of resorted to him to a very much supporting side character. Yes. Um, and then he it, 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 it kind of clashes. Though, when we talk about the writing, Like he comes off as sort of a moral um, cowboy. Right. Guessing, in the beginning yes. of the movie. 
But then at the end of the movie, they portray him like he was some type of jerk. Like, like he was all, he was like, like cheating on a dude. An unethical, like, unmoral, immoral person when he's yeah, supposed to be the moral guy. Word. Just they didn't, they didn't uh, write that character correctly. Yeah. It just seemed like it was clashing a little bit. Uh, it just all about that was good. He was missing in the final act. I'm like, dude, like you have like, you, you boasted this person as this violent animal that is just going to absolutely crush any of his enemies. Right. But then when it comes to the final scene, he's nowhere to be found. Right. Yeah. That kind of sucked. And, but Zot- oh, sorry, go ahead. And you mentioned the train scene. Train scene was great, but they kept, they spoiled it for us before it happened. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, this is going to happen. Oh, this is going to happen. And I do think the first scene in this movie uh, not the flashback scene to Nat Love Child, but the one after that. Young Andrew's Elba? Uh, which one? Yeah, well, that one was the oh, first Jonathan scene the Majors, the But Scorpion? Jonathan Majors' first scene with Scorpion was great, but mm-hmm. what they should have done after that or before that was Idris Elba train scene. Don't spoil yes. it for us. Just they, let's they get messed after up the it. sequence. Yes. They messed up the sequence. That's just, I think they bad, bad sense of filmmaking there. And just what's Western movies all about? Like suspense, like all about the suspense. You think about like the, the quick draws, like showdowns, train, like robberies. You got to have the suspense there, but they tell you what's going to happen beforehand. That's just not how it should be written. I know. It's just terrible. Like Nat Love, like Jonathan Major's character, people are coming up and telling him like, oh, Rufus is back and stuff. I'm like, dude, he hasn't <laughs> even been like knocked out of prison yet. He's not, he hasn't been hijacked the train. And, I'm like, dude, you got to show that first. And, first. They didn't, and they didn't even show Idris Elba's face yet, but they kept mentioning his name. Right. Yeah, man. That, that, that scene was so phenomenal, but it did. Some of the air was let out because you knew the, the inevitability of it. Like you knew right. what was going to happen. I couldn't agree more. Ricky Flex. Great point. And I also want to shout out Jonathan Majors. I think he was great in this movie. And I think he's just good in everything. Like he is just on another level. Like he is ascending right now. We have come to adore him right with his guest appearance in uh Loki in the final episode, okay, teasing a potential big bad and teasing his potential appearance in Quantum Mania. I'm excited where his career is heading right now, and he, mm-hmm. I feel like he can do any type of role, yeah, anything I, westerns. He like we see we uh westerns, and then if we go to um we had the Five Bloods earlier. We used a Marvel super like super villain. His range is and extensive. I think right now you can see like he's still young, and like by the way, like. I think he's gearing up for Creed 3 already from this oh, movie when his Creed shirt's up. Is a he's about to be the villain in Creed 3, and you mentioned Quantum Mania, and he's going to be a, a bodybuilder uh, in another movie coming up, too. No way. Yeah. Did you not see that? Like, I think that's like coming I'm out. I'm Mr. Like News. How do I not know that last piece? Um, I, did, I just forgot about Creed. Yeah, he's going to be a bodybuilder, like uh, amateur bodybuilder. But uh wow. It's like he's like doing all these action roles or like all these box office or action roles right now and just really getting his name out there, but also showing that like, hey, like he's a t- like an ascending actor, young actor. Right. So I'm really excited where his career is going to be. Yeah, man. Like, he, like I love this whole cast. I love Lakeith. And I think Majors is the one out of the like that I was most excited to see just because of the buzz that surrounds him right now and whatever Agreed. he's doing. Um, and I also wanted to bring up something I mentioned before, the potential they had to tell a more impactful story, right? The substance aspect, right? Like choose flash over substance, but taking advantage of like this potential, this opportunity where they could tell about and talk about the experiences of blacks during this time, right? And that that really isn't explored much. 
And the way they portray them in the movie, like these people existed, you're going to see like, oh, they had a profound impact. I mean, they portray them as absolute savages in the movie, right? Like they're killing people left and right. Like you didn't feel like, I don't know. It just felt like they were, they were terrorizing towns, right? They're killing people innocently. I just didn't like how they leaned into it just to start the movie. And then they portrayed them in a certain way, right? There was no like real moral characters out of any of this bunch. Like Delroy Lindo, you could argue was a moral character somewhat, but he ends up teaming up with a gang, right? And commits murder, right? So it's just, Mm -hmm. I just said that kind of threw me off a little bit because that's kind of what we were expecting. And then like we get this instead. So I think I did have the same thought as you, but I do think like, if you just think back to other Western movies, like, like even Unforgiven, like there's no moral like people in that movie. Right. All white cast, you know, like there's just no, there's just, Oh, true. But uh, um, just that's just a Western movie. And I think here the whole point was just like, all right, these people existed just like the opening credits, like right. just actually acknowledge the acknowledge black people during this time. That's what this movie's doing. And right. just putting them on a, on like a, the, the, the stage that they should be on. Uh, so that's what I think it really was. But I do think like you put it put an interesting point there. I just think that maybe that's just diving a little too deep into it. I don't know. Maybe that's, maybe that's just. I, I think. I think. I think I'm diving too deep. This is a popcorn movie. Like, like, right. like exactly. I, I just don't think they should have said that to start because it sets a tone. Like, oh, we're getting something a little deeper here, and, and it was very surface level. Stuff. But I do think that you have a point there because I think that's like what everyone's thinking about before they see this movie is that theme that uh, your point there, and mm. I think where I'm I'm gonna say this very cautiously. Oh, boy. but this I like this movie. And I'm going to give it a good score just to put this in the out there before I say this, but it falls into the Captain Marvel strand of Rotten Tomato scores where it might get inflated based around its themes outside of the movie. Like you have a female led superhero finally getting her own Marvel movie. All of a sudden certified fresh. And it's all of a sudden certified fresh. Before you've even seen it. Right. So this one's got similar to the same thing, but compared to Captain Marvel, this is actually a good movie as in mm-hmm. like in, in its entirety, maybe a little popcorny, but still good. Or I don't like Captain Marvel hot take. Not really back to you. So this is kind of revealing that you bring this up like this, like the uh, Rotten Tomatoes certified fresh at 87%. IMDb, the average score of this movie out of 10 is 6.6. Mm-hmm. So most people, like if we do our rating on a scale one to a hundred, a lot of people are saying this is like a 66 for them. All right. So th- it's just, people are like, yeah, they're just going to have a positive reaction based on, when you look at the cast and you look at like the style of this film, like, Oh yes, it's appealing. Right. But is it a good movie? Is it, is it a master work in the pantheon of modern day Westerns? No, absolutely not. And uh, it was enjoyable to watch. Like I will, I, I'm going to put it on my blog next week for recommended weekend uh, streaming. And uh, yeah, it's definitely worth it. And, but I just don't, I guess, read too much into it. Don't read yeah. too much into it. Um, I agree. I did. I want to talk about the ending. Um, we won't. Should we do a quick spoiler here, Ricky Flex, or do we just talk about it more generally? I guess a like quick one minute spoiler. All right. So this is a warning now. Okay, we're going to do a one minute spoiler to kind of wrap up this review. Um, this is your warning. You can skip to. Well, I mean, this that just I, one I, minute that, from now. Yeah, you can skip to one minute from now, and then we are back to wrap up this review so ricky flex the ending what do you think about the big reveal um did it hit you in any way emotionally and uh did you actually see it coming so i did see it coming 
Really? I, yes, because yeah. there's no because they didn't tell us why he would kill his father, except the father knew that he did something bad, but he was a priest. So you knew that he was connected to Idris Elba. So it had to be his former father. It had to be. But so obviously they still whatever through their father. But uh, again, I wasn't invested where like they're both like putting on these like they're crying and they're really showing their expressions. But I just, again, was not invested enough where like I felt that I was just like, OK, this is the end of the movie. I wish I had a showdown. And with Idris Elba actually fighting at the end, I was just thinking that during that whole thing. So I think that was like kind of a lame way to end the movie because I wasn't as invested and it wasn't a fight scene like a typical Western rivalry movie should be. So I, I, I kind of like the ending uh, and that big reveal. It was a cry off. <laughs> it was yes. a cry off between Idris Elba and Jonathan Majors. Like, like who could cry fastest and who could also cry and like actually look like they mean it. And like, they both did well. They did well. But in turn, this once again comes back to the writing. Uh, it didn't really hit me though. It didn't hit me. But in terms of the big reveal, I didn't necessarily see it coming. I, it, it, may, it was, I was highly anticipating the, not only just like the revenge aspect, because, but also that you're going to find out why Idris Elba kill, killed this care, his, this, his father at the beginning of the movie like that is something that's like you know they're gonna bring up and it's gonna come full circle and i thought the reveal was like it, 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 that was like hey that was pretty good that was pretty good but in terms of like i don't think it i don't know i just it, it just i didn't buy the emotional aspect but i just thought it was kind of clever that they kind of had that twist i guess that's yeah. all how i put it uh so ricky flex let's uh so those who are skip to the spoiler skip the spoilers we are back ricky flex give a score for the heart of they fall I'm going to go with a 72, 72. So a little above IMDb there, but um, it's, it's more of a popular movie than a, a good movie, but I, I did thoroughly enjoy it. Um, I do think there are some issues with this, with the writing and also just uh, filmmaking in general, some of the sequences, but in general, a lot of fun or it was fun. And for the most part, it was good. So 72. Yeah. I'm going to go with a 75. 75 it's like just a solid popcorn flick that's worth watching on a friday night it's it's entertaining to the point where you're not going to regret you watched it but you shouldn't look past the surface level right because there's nothing really there um that's going to do it for our review of the harder they fall oh actually i have something i have one more thing that i just thought of that i was thinking about the entire movie the entire movie i was thinking this i'm so sorry the town it this it looked like a set. That's most westerns, all right. But like it was so clean, like there was like no issues, right? Style, style, like the style of this movie. They wanted to be so like I don't know. They they, it was just, they they tried really hard to to like get these incredible shots, and sometimes they worked. Like with the with like the the I don't uh, want to say maybe deserts. I'm overthinking that. Yeah, but like I, it it was just it was way too clean. Right. Especially for such a violent, bloody movie. You just it's just I guess it makes the blood stand out more when yeah. everything is so tidy. But I, uh, I, right. I agree. It, it was uh, it was too nice, too nice for such a rough and tough gangs, uh, rough and tough couple of gangs. Great names, by the way, too. The Nat Love Gang. I'm like, that, 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 that's a Western name. And they're right based there. off of real people. So like these are like real names. I don't I don't think so. Really? No. Like, I think the story was fake, but they used real names. Oh, really? Maybe. Like, did you yeah, look that up? I have no idea. I think the Nat Love gang was an actual gang, but the story, this, this story was made up. Yeah, he was an American cowboy, former slave in the period during the American Civil War. Nice call, Ricky Flex. Yeah, like, I don't think like every one of these characters was real, but like, 
some of these characters were actually real people. They were just they just fictionalized the story. Yeah, one of the most famous heroes of the old west. Yeah, so it'd been cool if they actually told his real story. To be honest, maybe in the future. Maybe in the future, Jonathan Majors come back. Hell yeah, that's gonna do it for our review of. Uh, I keep forgetting the name of this movie. The harder they fall. That's going to do it for our review of The Harder They Fall, and that's going to do it for our episode. Make sure that you are subscribed on YouTube to The Drive-In, subscribe on all listening platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, everything. Subscribe to all of them. Do us a favor, please. We're begging you, and also, we'll keep bringing you the fire content. We'll keep bringing you the fire content. Week after week, we're consistent as hell. Also, make sure you follow us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at The Drive-In Pod. We post Daily, 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 right? Make sure you're tuned in next, uh, well, actually this week, for our trailer reaction on YouTube to Spider-Man No Way Home. It's going to be absolute uh, electricity. That's going to do it for episode 63. Until next time, we will smell you.